So this morning I'm going to start off um, with teaching us a simple phrase, a phrase that, that many of us already know, um, but it is something that we could use in repetition in uh, reference to um, today's message in God's Word. So repeat after me. God has what I need. Okay, there are a few of you awake this morning. Let's try it again. God has what I need. need. That's a little better. All right. Uh, Let's go to to prayer, and then we're going to get into today's message and word, okay? All right. Heavenly Father, God, we, uh, we thank you for this opportunity. Thank you for the saints that are here today, and we thank you for this opportunity for us to come to corporate worship and to be able to edify one another, and God, to be able to worship you uh, amongst one another, and that we can lift our voices as one to praise and worship you. God, that we can come together and we can study your word and your scriptures, um, that our lives may be changed, that we would be sanctified um, through your Holy Spirit and your truths. God, I just pray that minds would be open and hearts would be softened to hear the truth as this would apply to their lives, dear Lord. And that would we would move in an honest fashion, true to your truth and true to your word and, and truthful um, to ourselves as we have to analyze ourselves um, to know how to move in accordance with your word. God, in all of these things we say in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so this morning we're going to be in Psalm 51. So I know there was a little bit of um, scheduling um, deals. So we had 50. That was um, two weeks ago. Uh, Dale did 49 last week. So we're going to get back on track today with uh, Psalm 51. So if y'all would follow along with me, and we're going to read Psalm 51. Hey, look at there. It works. Have mercy on me, O God. According to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity, for I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only, have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, you delight in truth in the inward being, and you teach me wisdom in the secret place. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will return to you. Deliver me from blood guiltness, O God, God of my salvation, and my tongue will sing aloud of your righteousness. 
O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth will declare your praise. For you will not delight in sacrifice, or I would give it. You will not be pleased with a burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. Do good to Zion in your good pleasure. Build up the walls of Jerusalem. Then you will delight in right sacrifices, in burnt offerings, and whole burnt offerings. Then bulls will be offered on your altar. All right. That was a little long. I get it, but y'all did great. All right. So Psalm 51 is a psalm of David. And when I was going into this uh, set of scriptures, into this chapter, and and doing um, my study and meditating over it, um, I, I felt compelled to do kind of a case study. Like where, this is a prayer of David, and and where is his headspace? Like what, like what is he going through? And so if you're not familiar with the story of David, um, 2 Samuel chapter 11 and chapter 12 is going to give you those details. Um, but just a, a quick synopsis of that. So this is King David, same David as David and Goliath, King David, the, the king of the Israelites. And one of the stories that he's famous for is his... Um, adulterous relationship with Bathsheba. So this is after the adulterous relationship with Bathsheba, and Nathan the prophet comes to David and rebukes him. Now, with that, it was more than just um, a relationship that not that should not have uh, transpired between David and Bathsheba, but David was at a point where it was springtime. That's when kings normally go to war. That's when they go to battle, right? And David was absolutely a warrior king. He was also a God-appointed king, right? So he should have went off with the boys, and they should have been conquering, and they should have been conquesting, and they should have been fighting. However, he decides to stay home. And depending on your interpretation, I, I, I tend to study people as a profession and for someone to just happen to be in the right place, to just happen to see somebody bathing. I don't know about you, but I generally bathe in the same place all the time, right? So it, it doesn't really lend to, circums- or to, a, to a chance happening. But he sees this woman bathing, and he has to know who she is. So he asks, who is she? Now, for someone to intentionally put themselves in that place would be to succeed to a a lustful sin that is already inside your heart. That they would have the opportunity to view such a thing and to dwell on it. And then to take that sin one step further and says, hey, go find out who that is. He says, well, king, uh, isn't that your servant, Uriah's wife? One of your own? Bring her here. So David just doesn't, he doesn't just commit one sin But now he has entered into a a path of sinful behavior, one sin at a time, each one leading to the next, each one getting more severe. By the end of this, David has lusted after a woman that was not his wife. He stole her from another man. He had her husband killed, 
trying to cover up his own sin. Not only was Uriah killed, but other servants of his were killed. So this problem that he was trying to fix just grew and grew and grew. David tried to fix his own sin. He tried to cover it up. Instead of going to God, he tried to fix it himself. Depending on your, your um, interpretation of the scriptures, it was not necessarily a consensual relationship. I mean, he was the king. He has this woman brought before him, and in, depending on your interpretation, he either seduced her or she was raped, right? And according to Mosaic law, she also was guilty of adultery no matter which situation actually transpired. David tried to cover this up. So, David did not come to his own conviction, but it took God's servant bringing that in front of him. So, God had Nathan come before David and go, you're going to present this sin to David. He tells in chapter 12, he tells David a story. And David is, he is overwhelmed with anger and righteousness and his love for the law. And he says, this man surely should die, but not after he is going to pay fourfold what he has stolen. So Nathan breaks the news to him. And he says, well, king, you are the man. You're it. This story was about you. This is what you have done. And David's response to Nathan was, I have sinned against the Lord. Psalm 51 is a um, beautiful example of application of God's mercy and how to restore that relationship. Now, this also does just not... It is not specific to murder and adultery, okay? Um, Isaiah speaks to um, all of those that have sinned. Isaiah 59, 2 through 4. But your iniquities have separated you from God. Your sins have hidden his face from you, so that he will not hear. For your hands are stained with blood, your fingers with guilt. Your lips have spoken falsely, and your tongue mutters wicked things. No one calls for justice. No one pleads a case with integrity. They rely on empty arguments. They utter lies. They conceive trouble and give birth to evil. Matthew 21, Jesus expounds upon the Mosaic law as he is the fulfiller, and he explains to the disciples. It says in Matthew 5, 21, You have heard that it is said, people long ago, that you should not murder And anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, Raka, is answerable to the court. And anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. A little further down in 27, 28. You have heard that it is said that you shall not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery in her heart. 
So whether we have committed these identical sins or we have ignored someone, we have um, lashed out in anger, we have used sign language or you know, non-preferred methods of communication on the way to church this morning because someone cuts you off, right? We are in the same condition. We are subject to the punishment of sin. We are in the same condition as David. So, 51 is a great example of what our response should be. Not just as a king, not just as someone who has committed murder, but as a sinful child of God who has lost their way. Someone who no longer can hear God's voice because of the, the callousness and the hardness of their heart. Because of not coming back to Him. Because of not being repentant. So we're going to break Psalm 51 down into three sections. Psalm 51, 1 through 4, will be the acknowledgement and confession. 5 through 12, 5 through 12, excuse me, restoration by God, and 13 through 19, the response. Now David opens this, this prayer with um, a simple phrase that is... Astounding. He says, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. Now, we use mercy a lot, but I don't know that we take into consideration the definition of what mercy actually is. Mercy can only be given by somebody who has the authority and the ability to execute judgment. So, in this small statement... He's not just asking for God's grace, but he is also saying, I am absolutely guilty. What I have done is unexcusable. It is against truth. And you have all rights to judge me. But this statement also pleads to God's nature. Because David, being anointed, he understands God's nature. He has seen God's nature through the history of the Israelite people. He has seen it through his own personal life and the things that have transpired up to this point. So he knows that mercy is a part of God's nature and it is displayed because of God's unfailing love. He asked that God would wash away his iniquity and cleanse him of his sin. He says that I know that my transgressions are before me. Always. Now you can look at this two different ways and I believe both are, are equally applicable. One, he has this new wife that he stole, right? So each time he looks at her, he's reminded of the sin that he committed against her. And the judgment he brought upon her. But also, though God forgives our sins, we have those memories. And we can remember those feelings. 
of when we have failed, when we have sinned against someone. So whether it's just seared in his brain or it is his wife that, that is an ever reminder or both, he is pleading for mercy from God. David also acknowledges that his sin is ultimately against God. Now, I would consider David to be in in a state of brokenness and anxiety, depression. All things considered, I would say that that's probably an appropriate reaction to the conviction that he is feeling and the weight of his sin. So, how should we respond? How should we as Christians today, having Jesus as our personal Savior, in a similar condition, how should we respond? I would say that we should also... that being in a state of brokenness, in a state of anxiety, in a state of depression, having these feelings of question about our salvation, I don't think that it is unwarranted. I don't believe that it is unwarranted at all. However, it is through the restoration and the history that we have of our previous restoration as God is growing us and showing us that we have these truths to rest on to bring us back to Christ through this conviction. 5 through 12. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful at the time of my mother conceived me, and you desired faithfulness even in the womb. You taught me wisdom in the secret place. Cleanse me with hyssop and wash me, and I should be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have crushed So David is acknowledging the sinful nature of man. He's not saying that when I was conceived, my mother sinned, and I was conceived in that sin. What he is referring to is the fall of man, the depravity in which he was born into, into this world. But he's not using this as an excuse. He's not saying, well, God, you know, I didn't have a choice but to be a sinner because, well, you know, maybe if I was Adam, I wouldn't have fallen for it or maybe this or maybe that, right? He is owning the responsibility. And he says, even though I was born into a sinful world, you desire faithfulness. You desire obedience. And you began to teach me even in the secret place into his heart. All right, so the Holy Spirit was with David. He was not in David. And he says that you have taught me wisdom. So again, reflecting on the nature of God, David knows him personally and intimately. Like he understands God's nature. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all of my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart, O God a renewed and steadfast spirit within me. David, because of his knowledge of God's nature, he knows that he needs something more 
than what their traditions are. He needs something more. That David was a, he was a royal priest. He was a kingly priest. He knows, I cannot take this sin, confess to another priest, and us do a traditional sacrifice, and then that would be enough. He says, God, what I need is from you. You have what I need. And what I need is a new heart. Because to, to recondition the one that I have is not going to be good enough. I want a completely new heart, God, a pure heart. But I also need a steadfast spirit to be able to maintain that pure heart. I cannot do it on my own. You are going to have to give me that pure heart. And you are going to have to give me the power to be able to be true to that heart. David remembers his predecessor, Saul. Saul was appointed king by God. He was with him. And if you have ever read the story of Saul, it is clear that um, when God leaves him, the people understand and they see they see um, what is going on with Saul and, and the, the conflict there and, and that he was removed. There were many times when David could have just um, been inserted into, into Saul's place. Saul could have been killed multiple times. But it was through God's mercy that um, he orchestrated it the way that he did. And David understands that I am subject to this penalty and you could have removed me. You could have had me killed, all of which would have been just. But God, I pray that you don't remove your spirit from me, that it maintains with me, and that I would be restored back into the joy of the relationship with you. David knows that with God's grace and with the Holy Spirit enabling him, that he can return to his joy of the salvation that he had with God. And he knows that it's not the things that they do that bring salvation, but that salvation comes from God. It comes from his nature because of his grace and his mercy. But it's not to discount the responsibility that he has to faithfulness and obedience. David needs God to be his priest. An earthly priest would not do for this cleansing. Now, when David refers to the cleansing, the verb that is used is not like a a rinsing, but it's more of a thorough washing, like on a scrub board or on a stone. The stains are so deep that it takes a very thorough and hard abrasive scrub to release the stain from what it's attached to. He's saying, God, I I need this painful, thorough, hard, abrasive cleansing. Again, David is 
he understands that this is a... He is suffering from the effects of his sin physically, emotionally, and spiritually. So he needs that cleansing to encompass all of those. Right? He needs that healing physically. He needs that cleansing physically. He needs it emotionally. He needs it spiritually. Proverbs 15.10 says, Stern discipline awaits anyone who leaves the path. The one who hates correction will die. David knows that with a new heart and a spirit to maintain that heart, that the automatic joy or the automatic um, result of that would be joy. And he desires to go back to a joyful heart, being in community with God. He knows that the result of this would automatically bring forth praise and worship. Now, Jamie uh, talked about in verse 50 the um, the courtroom, which I felt was a, a, a tremendous um, picture coming up to this, um, to chapter 51. And it reminded me whenever I was speaking with one of my children about what it's like when the Holy Spirit communicates with you, Right? And her question was, well, how do you know? Like, how, like, does he, does he tell you? Do you hear something? Do you feel a certain way? Does, you know, like, what does that look like? You know, and the best analogy that I could give her as a child was to, to show her and remind her of, you know, what happens when you put your blanket over your head, whether you're scared or you're just trying to take a break from your sisters or whatever the case may be, right? You need, you need some alone time. So you put the blanket over your head, right? And you can still see the outside light a little bit, right? You can still hear from the outside. But each time you add a new blanket, the light gets a little bit dimmer. And each time you add a new blanket, the weight gets a little bit heavier, And each time you add a new blanket, the outside noise gets muffled and softened just a little bit more. She understood this, you know, and I explained to her that, you know, sometimes the Holy Spirit can speak to us because we can hear Him. But each time that we sin and we don't repent, The longer we delay that, the more sin we add to that, the more blankets we have over our head. And there has been some conflict about whether or not it is appropriate or accurate that we should rebuke one another or that our sinful nature should be brought to our attention. 
I think it's pretty clear when God used a prophet, Nathan, to go and seek his brother and to use that as an instrument to bring him to conviction. We may need somebody tapping on us to say, hey, deal with these blankets. I love you, but you need to deal with this blanket so that you can hear God telling you about the blanket. Now, if I have a hundred blankets on top of me, obviously I'm going to feel all of these effects that David is feeling. I'm going to feel the weight of a hundred blankets. I may get a little anxious about being covered up and being in such a confined space, right? So um, I think that it is appropriate to have those feelings for him to have that and to have someone come to him bring that to his attention and the reminder that God knows and God has been calling you but you have chosen not to listen. You have chosen to try to fix it yourself and add another blanket when what you really need is to be able to be in the light and to be able to hear his voice clearly. My iPad keeps scrolling by itself. First John 1, 8-9. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just, and will forgive us of our sins and purify us from all righteous, unrighteousness. So David is confessing. He is asking for transformation. Then he has a response. And in this response, it's more of a conclusion because it kind of is encompassing the other two categories also. I don't know about you guys, but um, when I am extremely convicted and feeling the weight of my sin, there's many times when I'm praying, I repeat myself over and over again. Just to be clear that I covered what I needed to cover. right? David says, Then I will teach transgressors your ways so that sinners will turn back. Deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed, O God, you who are my God, my Savior, and my tongue will sing of your righteousness. David's saying, I will react, I will respond to your love and mercy and greatness. And that will lead me to tell people because this is added to my testimony. So when God gives us the mercy and the grace and He redeems us, that is a part of our story. What greater witness do we have to teach people of God's love than to be able to recall on those memories of those times where we deserve absolute judgment, but God's mercy... And his love for us changes us, allows us to be redeemed, allows our situation to be redeemed. David again acknowledges 
the death penalty that is weighed over his head. Deliver me from this blood guiltness. My God, my Savior. David has this revelation that he knows that salvation is provided by God. There is a foreshadow here of Christ, and he knows that this can only be supplied by you. Open my lips, Lord, and my mouth will declare your praise. You do not delight in sacrifice, or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. My sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. God will not despise. David is demonstrating that God is seeking the heart. It is not the traditional sacrifices. It is not the mechanism of the sacrifice that brings atonement. But it is God's grace and that the demonstration of the sacrifice is a representation. And that a sacrifice is not something that man does on his own. He cannot create a sheep to be sacrificed. God created the sheep. God also demonstrated the first sacrifice to Adam and Eve in the garden. When an animal had to be slaughtered and he made them clothes, Atonement had to take place, and it was demonstrated. And it was through God's mercy and love that he made a way and that he went into a covenant with them. And David acknowledges that it's not this the things that we do, but we should be doing this in obedience and in faithfulness, out of gratitude and thankfulness. It is because God wants the heart. He wants us to have a broken and contrite heart that he may remove the callous, that he may soften it, and that he may grow it in love and grace. May it please you to prosper Zion, to build up the walls of Jerusalem. Then you will delight in the sacrifices of the righteous, in burnt offerings and whole and then bulls will be offered on your altar. So David is acknowledging that as the king and as the leader, as goes the king, so does the kingdom. The leader of any people can bring punishment upon the people. An appointed king Right? That is supposed to be a model of King, the God, the Father. How much more could he bring upon the people when he is leading them astray? David knows that by trying to fix his sin, he was playing God. Each choice he made, 
he was deciding to fill God's shoes. God, may it be your will that you would prosper Zion, that you would build the walls of Jerusalem. He understands the, the prophecies. He understands the importance and the significance of uh, Jerusalem and in Zion. And he understands there is more to come. And he's also asking for mercy for Jerusalem. That they would be brought back into God's grace, that their sacrifices would not be in vain, that they would be made whole, and that they would be brought forth in thanksgiving and gratitude. First Samuel sixteen seven says, But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. David doesn't even want his response to be his own. He wants God to open his lips. He wants his mouth of praise, but he wants it to be as a response to God moving him, not him moving himself. God, open my lips that my mouth would praise you. He wants to teach the, the people to sacrifice out of obedience and thanksgiving. And that God truly wants their heart. So, today, I would say that in light of this prayer, that it would apply to a Christian today as much as it would someone who is lost. What God wants is our heart. And for true repentance, it takes a contrite heart, one that is broken, one that acknowledges that you are God and I can come to you because of your love and mercy. And what I am is broken and what I need, you have. What I need is your love. And what I need is your son, Jesus Christ who is willing to bear the burden for me, who is willing to die on the cross, be crucified, be buried, and resurrected on my behalf, that I may enjoy and be able to praise because of the restoration that God provided. I pray that if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, acknowledge. Acknowledge your brokenness, your position, um, and acknowledge that God is a God of mercy and love, and He provided a way through His Son, Jesus. 
And if you have, and you're here with a, a callous heart today, repent. Acknowledge your brokenness. Pray for forgiveness and restoration so that you can respond in praise, thanksgiving, and obedience. I'm going to pray as the, the band will come up today. We're going to sing a song in closing. Um, so if you would, bow your heads. Heavenly Father, God, we, uh, we thank you for your word. We thank you for um, testimonies and for uh, illustrations in your word to be able to show us your mercy and your grace and your love for us, that you, have, that you have created a way that we may be restored back to your house, back to your kingdom. God, and not only that, but that, God, through your, through your mercy and grace, that we would be used to build that kingdom. That we are able to display the grace and love that you give us to others that others might see the light of the salvation that you have provided through your Son, Jesus Christ, and that they would come to know you, and that burden would be lifted from them, dear Lord, and that, that, that callous heart would be, would be made soft, and you would create them something new out of clay, that you are the master of creation, and God, that they would be subject to your will, that they would be willing, and they would praise as you mold them and make something new. God, I pray that all these things would be well with our soul and that we are willing to walk the narrow path, that we would be sanctified in God and that we would just find joy through even the hard times of sanctification. God, in all these things, we give you praise and glory. In Jesus' name, amen.